Join us as we gather around the hedge, where we dig into technology, business, and culture with the finest minds in computer networking. Well, good morning, Tom. How are you? Good morning. Doing fine. How about you? I am surviving. <laughs> good. I'm not sure I could say much more than that. And today on The Hedge, we have with us Andre. I'm not even going to try to pronounce your last name, Andre. That's just not even happening. <laughs> I'll help you. Robachevsky, yes. Uh, okay, well, that wasn't yeah, as hard as I thought it was. That wasn't that hard, yeah. Yeah, that wasn't that bad. So today we are talking about manners. And Andre works with the Internet Society and talks about manners. Now, this is, you know, this is the proper way to install a router in Iraq, you know, where you put the screws and things like that. Is that, is that right, Andre? <laughs> well, about right. Yeah, not, not exactly. But yeah, it's about routers for sure. Okay. So why don't you start by just telling us where Manners comes from, what it stands for, and then let's talk about some of the stuff that goes, uh, you know, with the whole concept of Manners. Sure. Well, first of all, good morning, everyone. And thank you for having me. Manners, it stands for Mutually Agreed Norms for Routing Security. And it's, a, it's an initiative. It's an attempt to foster deployment of best practices. Although Manus is not the best practice, it's actually a lowest common denominator that can still make a difference in the routing system, but not too high that only few can implement. But it's, it's also more about building community. Um, so it's, it's, it's really about routers, but not how to install them or how to run them. Although there are some practices uh, on, on how to secure them and how to secure, more importantly, the global routing system. So it's two-pronged. So it's, first of all, it's a set of standards or a set, not really a set of standards, but a set of practices that people should use. And the other part you talked about is community. So let's talk about how it deals with community before we get into those practices, because I think that may actually be more interesting to start with. Um, you know, when you talk about building a community around this, what are we, what's actually going on there? Maybe, maybe we should go back slightly if, if you're interested and look at the sort of history, uh, genesis of, 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 of this initiative. Where yes, it came let's from. do that. Yep, that and would be awesome. So, so Manus, as it's first in its first instance, because there are three instances, in fact, those three chapters, as we call them. So the first one for network operators was launched in 2014. But the work actually started a few years earlier. And in fact, there were three roundtables with network operators convened by the Internet Society, but the talking was done by the network operators who were just listening and recording that, trying to figure out the best way to approach the problem of routing security. The first question we pondered was, and that might, might surprise you, of course, was what, what was the problem? And you probably ask, I mean, wait, in like 2012 or 13, you were still discussing the problem? like BGP security vulnerabilities were documented back in 2006 and uh, RPKI origin validation was pretty much standardized by that time. But we were not discussing really uh, technical problems uh, so much. We were looking more at what was stopping the operators from deploying those practices. I mean, even without those standards, there were practices that existed for decades, as you, as you know, and not many of them were deployed. And when we looked at this, we uh, sort of bumped into this understanding that it was not so much a technical problem, it was more a social economic problem, right? 
a situation which is uh, sometimes called a tragedy of the commons. In another term, it's a collective action problem. Right. Where while sort of all of us understand we're better off having good routing security, we can't make a coherent action to do this, right? Due to some conflicting priorities. Yeah, so it's so it's actually interesting you say that because I think I think a lot more of the security world comes down to policy and getting people to work together more than it does technology. And we tend to I mean, that's actually true in network design and architecture as well. But we tend to, because we're engineers, tend to go right down the path of technology rather than the path of how do we solve this as a community, right? What is the community? What are the community parameters around this? What are, what are we actually trying to do? So I think it's really good that you started there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's, that's, that's interesting that you did actually start there. Yeah, well, we boiled down to that problem pretty quickly. And then we looked at, yes, the, the community, as you just said, was the, the crucial key uh, uh, to the solution, right? The, now, the, the next question was, of course, how to build this community. And also related question, how you build a community that can um, deploy security in a distributed system of independent networks, Given the fact that security is not a sort of state, right? I mean, there is no state of security. Once you think you're secure, next minute you are not, right? Um, so the idea, like in, in corporate, in, in enterprise security, you have all these processes, you have consistency, you can't do patching just uh, by cherry picking something, right? That might give you, uh, you spend a lot of money, but you're not secure because you don't know what you've done and what you didn't do, right? How, how can you make, in a sort of independent distributed system, how can you implement the systemic approach? So those things go hand in hand. and It led us to the idea that we need sort of, you know, a common reference point, something not very simple, not another document on best practices, but something that sort of can uh, inspire people to implement something, right? Can provide some benefits of implementing this Right? And at the same time, be sort of this common denominator that many of the networks can actually easily implement. So that's where we came to this kind of four, what we call actions, which really distilled from best practices, but as I said, are not the best practices because they put the bar slightly lower than solving the problem altogether. But they say, hey, clean up your side of the street. And by building this community, right, we guarantee there will be reciprocity, right? And security in the net internet is based on this reciprocity. When you talk about tragedy of the commons, one thing that I think is important there probably is just to think in terms of I control the routes that I advertise, right? I don't control the routes anyone else advertises. And me blocking routes that someone is advertising to me really only has a limited functionality or limited gain in the in the internet ecosystem right that's kind of part of the problem we have here right is that we don't me just telling you or me just saying i'm not going to accept routes that aren't good it, it's it adds functionality but it's not it's limited right what i need to do is i need to get people to pay attention to what they're advertising so this is where this concept of community comes in and worrying about trying to get people to work together Yes, that, that's exactly right. And yeah, indeed, there are two, two, two sort of sides of the coin. One is you are not emitting incorrect routing announcements. And another one is uh, you are uh, checking what you receive from your neighbors. Now, Manus doesn't go and say, hey, uh, let's do global validation right away because it's like boiling the ocean. 
but we say, hey, you probably should know what your customers are supposed to announce. And that's in your best interest to know what your customers are supposed to announce because if, for instance, they start announcing Google prefix all of a sudden, they become a transit provider for uh, Google network that makes no good neither for them nor for you. So there is some interest for you to uh, introduce those checks and balances. And it can help you to also prevent you know, propagating this uh, incorrectness further to the global great internet. So let's talk through the different rules, I guess, or the different ideas that Manners pushes out there. And uh, let's just think about what each one of those might do to help the global routing table. So one is, I think you start with this concept of knowing what you should be advertising or what your customers are advertising. So that, that's the first one. That's, that's what the action called filtering. Well, I mean, we came up with simple names that can, people can re- memorize quickly or I can memorize even so I can present stuff easily without rehearsing. Uh, so filtering uh, is propagate, prevent propagation of incorrect routing information. Uh, it looks at those two sides. You're not emitting incorrect routing announcements and you control announcements from your customers. And that's a limited scope. So we're not saying peers, we're not saying your transit providers, we're saying your customers. Related action, which is action four in this first instance of manners for network operators is what is called global validation, which is misleading because it talks about facilitating global validation. It's one of the thing, and that's what prevent global validation is that because well, this information is not built in BGP, you have to rely on, on other data sources, be it you know, IRR, be it RPKI, but you need to consult on other databases whether this announcement you receive is bona fide or not. And therefore, it's important that those databases are kept up to date and maintained well. The action for actually says, well, you, you surely know what routes you, what routes you expect others to accept. So, and again, it's in your interest to register the information so others can also um, act on this. Okay, so that you said that was action four, and then yeah. the first one was just filtering, right? Just filtering, so, yes. So there's two in the middle. <laughs> right, that's true. So one is, is anti-spoofing, and this is not, I mean, you would say, well, what the heck spoofing has to do with routing, but of course spoof, spoofing is related how routing works, because routing doesn't care about source IP address, and therefore, without extra measures, an attacker can perform source IP uh, address push, right? I don't know, should we go into detail of what? So basically, because routing doesn't care, right? Um, you can uh, substitute a source IP address and that's the uh, IP address of the host that sort of originates this packet with some other's uh, IP address. And in the context of denial of service attack, that would be a IP address of a victim and the source address where you're going to send or destination address where you're going to send this would be some sort of reflector and amplifier, such as OpenDNS Resolver, for instance, right? So what happens is that when OpenDNS Resolver receives this packet, it replies with a big reply uh, directed to this spoofed IP address, i.e. the victim. And the more amplifiers reply the same way, the more traffic the victim gets. And at some point, it reaches gigabits per second and uh, the victim is overloaded and their providers are overloaded and many people are unhappy. What does, what does spoofing, anti-spoofing do? Sorry, Tom, if you want to jump in. Go no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll go after. Okay. So what does anti-spoofing actually do to solve that problem? Can we explain a little bit about what that, what that does? Is- 
so so there are places, and the places are the closer to the um, uh, origin of this packet you are, the better chances you can detect the spoofing. And there are te- techniques, called technologies even, that allow you to check the source IP address and compare to source IP address which was supposed to uh, be there, right? For instance, again, if you uh, connect your customers, you know. Uh, the announcements, so you also know what kind of source IP addresses, ranges the packets can come from, and so you can check this. That's a basic anti-proofing technique. Okay, so this is unicast reverse path forwarding, I assume, is one For of the instance. things. Be, yeah, or uh, BCP38, which is the same thing, right? Best yeah. time practice 38, as defined by the ITF. Okay, so go ahead, Tom. Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, it's, it's sort of related to what I was wondering. So um, just in my experiences implementing BCP38, sometimes you run into um, finan- obstacles that are some- sometimes they're a little bit financial in nature, depending on how old your network is. Um, but, there, but there certainly are costs to implementing these controls. So... My question is, um, say, say someone joins Manners, they, they meet all the requirements. What's the, I guess, I guess my question is two parts. What's the incentive? I mean, the incentive is fairly obvious for a network operator. It's keeping the internet so that we can all use it, which depends on all of us. But there are going to be some people who join the project and, and they realize that there's a maintenance burden associated with um, keeping the internet clean and they might not continue. So what, I'm just curious what the, what's the mechanism for continued monitoring of, is there an apparatus set up to measure one's compliance or is it uh, an honor system sort of thing or? So we saw this as an owner system. That's a good question, by the way. Um, and last year we developed a tool which we call Menace Observatory. Well, we devised a set of metrics that can indicate Menace readiness, what we call Menace readiness how well you a network implements Manus actions. And we, we monitor not only Manus members, we actually monitor all 60 plus thousand networks that operate on the internet autonomous systems. They're caveats. And the caveats is that there is so much you can see from the outside. For instance, if there is no incident coming from the network, it doesn't guarantee that controls are in place, right? Looking other way around at false positives, I mean, there's so much you can sort of infer from looking at BGP tables, right? And BGP tables also do not give you full picture because there is no single roadmap of the internet, right? Each network operator in each vantage point has a slightly different view, right? But also detecting whether it's a legitimate change or legitimate announcements or malicious announcements, sometimes not very easy. So there are caveats. But in general, we do and monitor that. Manus' observatory is actually public. It has a public face. For public user, uh, they can lose, look at Manus readiness numbers per region and per country. But for Manus participants, they can look at uh, specific networks, at their peers, at the, their co-participants of the Manus initiative, and they can get detailed reports of their performance. So with these caveats, of course, uh, and that's partly uh, because uh, un- until we sort of, you know, reduce the number of false positives, for instance, and get better quality of data, we are very cautious of releasing this publicly. And we don't want to transpire this tool into name and shame, right? Manus is, has a more positive outlook. It's, it's, it's more a wall of fame than, you know, a wall of shame. That tool gives the community back to the community building sort of creates internal peer pressure, and those numbers are being discussed. So right now in the community, what we're discussing in Manus community is ongoing conformance criteria. Like if you're continuously uh, sort of 
showing gross negligence, right, with regards to those actions. What, what, are, what, what, what should we do? Because the thing is, Manus, its great value that it brings to the community, to those who join Manus, is its reputation. So once Manus loses that reputation, and there were a few cases where Manus um, participants were implicated in incidents, right? So if that damages the reputation, all the good work that other people put together, it goes to nothing. So we're looking at this very carefully, um, although there is no silver bullet, but we are working on that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great point. So if it's, it's, it's kind of a reputation service, as it will, as it were, <laughs> but not, not one that you pay for, obviously. But yeah, that's really interesting. Well, some of the things in, in the Manus Observatory can be measured pretty accurately. For instance, the quality of the uh, routing information, IRR or RPKI, that can be measured, or presence of contact data, although we are not measuring responsiveness of a help desk, for instance, right? That's would be another metric. Uh, but, um, I mean, small steps, but still it brings some visibility. And, um, you know, when we talk about, by the way, I didn't mention that, when a network joins Manus, we do this audit, not on-site physical audit, but this external audit. So before we launched the observatory, we did those audit checks manually. Now we look at the observatory reports and we say, hey, look, um, look at those maybe problematic areas. And in many cases, people would come back and say, wow, I didn't know about that. I didn't know that I can spoof uh, uh, in, in my network because we're, we're using Kai, this uh, spoofer, you know, this tool. They do the, the spoofer test and we use the spoofer. We ask networks to run uh, a spoofer test from several of their segments to check that they are not permitting spoofing. Uh, but also with routing incidents like Bogan announcements or stuff like that, they will say, hey, I didn't know that that, that, that was happening. So it, it's, it's actually sometimes eye-opening to look at your network from the outside, not only from the inside. Do you envision ever doing something like a, a feed of some sort that sort of encapsulates what you've learned into something that can, can be consumed programmatically? Just talking about data makes me think, I wonder if there's some tool that could be used based on all this valuable data you're gathering. So we're using open, open data sources, right? That's, that's first of all. Of course, we uh, sort of mingle them and uh, calculate the metrics. Uh, the data is available uh, through a sort of JSON interface to the participants, detailed data. Uh, so uh, the back end is, is there. It's just the uh, creating an open API at some point. I think the more data we collect, because for a public, public eye, what, what could be interesting is trend analysis, right? We are running the observatory for one year now, data-wise. So there's not much of a trend you can see. But at some point, I think that would be interesting. Um, but we certainly provide some, and that was a series of improvements to the observatory, uh, responding to requests from our participants is to provide this more pragmatic access to the data. Rather than scrapping the screen, uh, you can get a JSON report and share this report with your NOC, for instance. So this functionality is there, but it's available to the participants of the Manus Initiative. Whenever I change jobs, which isn't super frequent, but when it happens, one of the things I do with the, the company I'm considering to work for is I'll go look at things. You know, how is their network connected? What do they look like? Kind of what are they, what are they doing? I could see this being interesting maybe to, uh, you know, job seekers. Like what is the reputation of this place that I'm looking to go? It would be uh, a lot easier to just get it in one place than having to scrape it all up yourself. I think that there is some potential for Manus to develop into this kind of fully reputational service, but I think that's a long, long way. And uh, we are trying to sort of gather more low-hanging fruit 
um, sort of building community, getting these gnomes. Well, I, I would attribute this to manners, but I think uh, I, you probably agree with me that in the past few years, there was much more awareness in routing security issues. If you look at the programs of, uh, um, you know, NOGS, routing security stands very uh, prominently on the agenda. Uh, RPKI is taking off um, after some period of sort of being dormant and uh, uh, people being very skeptical about that. All is sort of coming in motion, uh, which is which is a good thing, I think. But at the moment, we are, we are sort of one step at a time. So at some point, maybe it will develop in this reputational service. But for that, you will probably need much more much more robust scrutiny and audit process. Do you have, I'm curious if you have um, any, any content providers or any, you know, more edge type uh, people, um, you know, maybe even enterprises, or, or is this all pretty much network operators for, that are participating right now? So when we launched the, the initiative in 2014, I mean, for network operators, we didn't say who network operators that their transit providers necessarily or their access networks. We just say if you if you speak BGP and you have an IS, you can participate in manners. There were some enterprises, but uh, enterprise in a way it's a bit challenging to reach out to these sectors as just awareness issue, right? Uh, okay. But their edge networks, their um, um, you know, access networks, and their transit providers as well, and tier ones including. So one of the problem with Manus, uh, or challenge, let me put it that way, that now we have 330 participants, right? Which is maybe more than 450 uh, 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 terminal systems altogether. But if you look at the internet, you'll say, well, the 60, 60 plus K uh, network operating there. So how, how do you bridge this gap, right? Well, first of all, uh, it's not that you need to, not all 60,000 K or 66,000 uh, networks need to implement this, right? Uh, as we know that 84% of all networks are origin only. So they don't make a lot of routing de- decisions, right? They can do this stuff that do not emit uh, incorrect stuff. But if their first layer transit providers implement manners, they will protect the internet from those incorrect routing announcements. So we have this 16%, which is a much lower number. But still, the challenge here is how you scale this up. And in scaling this up, is we can't just go and talk to each operator or go to each NOG and try to convince. It, it just doesn't work. So we're looking for partners. And one of the partners or type of networks that could be a great partner was Internet Exchange Points. In 2018, we launched another program, which we called IXP Program, Manus IXP Program. And it came with their set of actions. The most important ones is that filtering on the route server. So route server is a facility that many IXPs have that enables multilateral peering. Basically, it's a proxy network that is run by the IXP that participant can peer, and this network will, you know, distribute the, the, the announcement to all other, well, willing participants of this internet exchange. So you peer with one network, but you can peer with the whole internet exchange in one in one session, basically, right? Very uh, easy to set up. And this is a very great control point where you can perform filtering. So uh, this the most important action was 
prevent incorrect routing announcements at the route server. There are other five actions, uh, four actions uh, for, for them, uh, including uh, coordination, including again, um, uh, this global support for global validation and stuff like that. But that was the most important one. And basically, if the managed for network operator secures this customer provider relationship, the IXP program secures peering relationship. Well, mostly settlement free peering that happens at the internet exchange. And then we looked further and we said, well, now we have 48 IXPs joined that joined the program. And then we looked further and we said, are there other partners? And we looked at CDN, uh, CDNs and cloud providers. And we thought, what's so special about them? They're edge networks. Well, not, not exactly. They're edge networks, but they peer with a hell of a lot of other networks. And right. more importantly, many networks want to peer with them. So can we leverage their peering power, attractiveness, to promote matters? A month ago, we launched, or less than a month ago, on the 31st of March, we launched another program, third chapter that I mentioned at the beginning of Manus, which we called Manus for CDN Cloud Providers. And again, it came with a set of actions, one of them that encourage your peering participants or peering partners to adopt Manus, and also filter Announcements you receive from your peers well, based on whatever information, IRR, RPKI, or your sort of custom portal. But uh, do not be liberal in what you accept from your uh, part. So that, that's the third program. So now we are more sort of distinguishing between the type of networks that participate in Manus. But first we start with just speak BGP, have ISN, come and join if you are compliant. If you were to join Manners today as an organization, what does that process look like? We've talked a little bit about the process going through, but um, you know, just to give somebody a sense of what they should expect if they decided to join Manners. And assuming, of course, that every kind of listener we have right now listening to this podcast could join Manners if they wanted to. That will not cost anything. I mean, apart from sort of course and implementing the controls, of course, but that's, that's, that's another story. So to join Manners, you need to click on join button and then you'll be led to a form that you need to fill out. And in this form, you need to explain how you implement specific actions, right? So when we receive this form, we'll do the audit, as I said. And we're using the observatory for, for this audit. So we'll look, uh, of course, we'll read, and that's sort of the, the best match to the physical audit that we can afford, is we'll read how well the implementation of those actions is described. And sometimes it makes sense, right? And sometimes you see, well, it doesn't make sense. But we also compare with the data we see in the observatory for the past three months. And we see, was this network implicated in some incidents? We ask them to run two spoofer tests. We look at the quality of data in IRR and RPKI. And we'll look at this sort of history. Now we have one year of history. So we sort of get some profile of this network. What is the stance of this network with regards to uh, network security? So it's, it's in many cases, that's a dialogue. So we have some back and forth and we ask them to fix some of the things and some people come back when they fixed stuff. And when it's all fine, we accept them. We publish that network on the website they become part of the Manus participant. They subscribe to the mailing list, they get access to the observatory, and they participate in whatever activities we undertake with the community. And they have a good feeling that they contributed to the security of the global internet. Yeah, right, exactly. And I think that's, you know, that's good. And you actually are contributing to the global security of the internet. You're not just saying you're doing it. These actions actually do 
help the security of the global internet. Now, in the future, I mean, manners just doesn't point to itself, right? It points to something in the future as well. Like there are other things behind manners that you're trying to encourage people who are doing manners today to do in the future. So let's talk a little bit about that. I'm thinking specifically of RPKI, but you also talked about the quality of data in the RPKI and stuff like that. So manners is totally community driven. Right, intense society role is is more in the shadow. We are secretariat, so we support the website. We support some development of the observatory, but it's really driven by the community. One of the uh, important part for us as internet society is actually encourage more ownership of this effort from the community. So uh, it can be just an internet society effort. It should be community owned. One of the things I would like to relate to what you just said, uh, that joining, joining Manus, you, you contribute to routing security. Uh, there is additional sort of nuance here because many networks that contribute to routing security are not yet members of Manus. Accept that. There are many good networks that are not manners yet. That doesn't mean that they're bad networks, right? That they have bad manners. What it means that joining manners, even if you already contributed to the uh, good of the internet routing security, means supporting this global reference point and enforcing, reinforcing the community. And that's very important. So we are very much welcome people that already contributing. So I had these discussions. People say, what's the difference I make if I join Manus because I already implement all those controls? Yes, from routing point of view, it's is true, but we have to bridge this gap from 300 participants to whatever, 9,000, if we take the conservative number of 16% of all ISNs on the internet. So for the average enterprise, what I'm thinking is the average enterprise operator or edge provider or edge operator, I say that like, that's like, anyway, what they're going to see is they're going to be thinking about running the spoofing checks so that they're making sure that they're actually running spoof detection on the outbound side of their network making sure they're running BCP38 or URPF or whatever it is to not allow spoofing outbound, validating the information that they have in IRRs and other public information sources, who is, stuff like that. So that's all correct. And then other than that, perhaps encouraging their upstream ISP to join Manners and do stuff you know, around security from that perspective, just helping to build the community in that way. Are those the three primary things you would say that somebody who just operates a network might do? That, that's right. I would probably add egress filtering on routing announcements, right? Okay. And th- that's a great way to protect yourself from like, route leaks or, you know, like BGP optimizer, hectic behavior um, that sometimes creates uh, problems in the internet. But other than that, yes. And by the way, I mean, speaking, speaking of, of sort of enterprises, uh, two years ago, we um, asked, uh, analyst company 451 research to do some uh, research on sort of what are the perspective what could be business case for enterprise to join manners and there were two things one thing is just what you described how you can sort of improve your own security stance and and have, you know that that's a that's an opportunity to streamline your network operations perhaps which may not be part of your professional service right you may be a grocery store indeed but another part is that you may benefit from looking for a security-minded uh, upstream provider who is a Manus participant. The Manus gives you a sense of this security-mindedness, if you will, 
Um, so they concluded, they did the survey, and of course, I mean, every survey should be taken with a grain of salt, but they did some survey, and there, there were some numbers that people would maybe uh, prefer, and maybe on, on a price basis, willing to pay more. What well, we will explain that no one pays more, just you get less discount. But yeah, there's some business case, and, and, and actually we want, and we continue working, looking for those business cases to get a better story about Manus to Enterprises. There is a Manus website, and it, it's very simple. It's manus.org. It's mutually agreed norms for routing security. And it's, it's a funny story how this acronym actually developed. Maybe it's for, for the ending, if you have some time. Yeah, go ahead. So, I mean... What's important in, when you start an initiative is a good name, of course, right? And first, uh, we came up with a very boring name, which was sort of Code of Conduct. That was, of course, a working title, but it was rejected because in some Asian, we were told in some Asian cultures, Code of Conduct is a very sort of top-down thing here, and we don't want to produce this impression. So we said, okay, no Code of Conduct, but we want to be inspirational, so it should be a manifesto. So... The next name was Routing Manifest, and actually publicly it went as Routing Manifest at first time. And then some people, I think in North America, they considered that's too revolutionary maybe, and they said, <laughs> Manifest, I'm not sure. <laughs> and then Jared March, you know Jared, he now works for Akamai. He came one day, I was IT for Nanak, and he said, you know, I have an idea, Manus, mutually known for routing security. I said, yes, that's it. Since then, we call Manus. And Tom, what is your Twitter? I'm at Tom Ammon, and then you can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm Russ White. You can find me at rule11.tech on LinkedIn and who knows where else. And thanks for joining us for this episode of The Hedge. Subscribe to The Hedge on your favorite podcast service or follow along at rule11.tech.